Who are some of the biggest second-year breakouts from the 2021 NBA Draft? Find out with Richard Saban and Sam Ferris on today's episode of Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? My name is Richard Stamen. I am known as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. I am college credentialed, uh, media credentialed in college for TCU and various other colleges uh, as needed, but mostly at TCU. I am finally joined by Sam Ferris, a.k.a. Draft Dummies. We've done episodes where we've been on the podcast together. It's usually like the big round table, but I don't think we've ever done one just us. But if you don't know Sam, if this is your first time hearing about Sam, let me give you a little intro on him. I've been following him. Uh, at draft dummies for probably three or four years now. And every time I want like a rational perspective, he is there every single time to go, well, here's why you might not want to consider, you want to consider a different approach, why you want, might want to change your perspective. He's really good at that, just being level-headed 100% of the time. He knows his stuff. I absolutely love his following his stuff on Twitter. He's also really good at retweeting my stuff, which I always appreciate. But Sam, how are you doing today? And how are you uh, getting through this off season? I know it's kind of the dog days <laughs> of the off season. Uh, I'm doing really well. I appreciate the intro. Um, I'm doing as well as you can do in terms of it being an off season. So finding, you know, tape and film to, to keep busy, looking up stats, stuff like that, that I'm always doing. But as I go back and watch film, it just makes me even more excited for the season, both the NBA and college to get back up and running again. But hopefully we've got a fun topic today. I think it's fun, and uh, I enjoyed uh, doing the research aspect of it before talking about it today. Yeah, you know, I feel like we dove so far into the 2022 draft for the last 12 months. Uh, it We kind of forgot just how great the 2021 was. As, like, NBA draft people, obviously, as NBA fans, we know how great it was. But really excited for it. Uh, before we get into it, just want to say thank you to everybody again for listening to us through the dog days of the off season and making us your first listen of the day means a lot to both me and Sam also Leaf and Raphael as Raphael uh, continues to be on paternity leave essentially. Uh, so congratulations to him, but let's dive straight into it. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick out three, maybe more if, if it comes up, uh, maybe we have too much overlap. We haven't given each other any of the names so far, but three guys from the 2021 NBA draft that we see as breakout candidates. So sophomore leaps, essentially, Sam, I'll let you kick this off. Who do you have as your number one or your first one that came to mind for a sophomore leap? Yep. So the first guy that I that came to mind for me, and I'll say the two, basically the two things that I take into account here. Number one is opportunity, because to make the leap, you have to have a role, you have to get minutes, and then obviously just the talent and the readiness to contribute right now. So those two main aspects. And so the first guy that I will start with is Alperin Shengun. And now uh, there's a lot of different debates we can have over Shengun. We could debate, you know, how, how valid is he going to be defensively a couple of years from now in the playoffs? But that's not really the debate we're having right now. Right now we're looking at in terms of a statistical breakout, I think that he is a guy that's primed to make that leap. Uh, last year averaged nine and a half points, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. I wouldn't be shocked if he averages around 15, seven and like four. Uh, 
last year, how many minutes per game did he play? Let me pull it up. Um, 20 minutes per game. And I could see that again, he's going to start. They got rid of Christian Wood, went over to your Mavericks. No more kind of vets like Daniel Tice stealing his minutes either. So I think he's going to play at least 25 to like 28 minutes per game. As they've already come out and said, he's going to be the starting center. And so I think he could really jump up from like 10 points, five and a half rebounds to like 16 and seven and a half. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because for a solid three weeks, maybe even more, we really get bought into Paolo Boncaro is going to be in Houston. And I don't think there's a bigger winner from that than Alperen Shingun. Yeah, 100%. I had that written in my notes that if they had drafted Paolo, then I would not have included Shingun here in this ranking. And so the big winner, the Rockets had an awesome draft in my opinion, but the big winner honestly is Shingun because I, I was worried that Paolo did too many of the let me just say it like this, their strengths overlap too much, especially the passing at like the four or five position. But now I, I think the Rockets one main weakness in their young core is their passing, but that's where Shen Goon really stirs the drink offensively. That's where his creativity is huge for guys like Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, uh, and then the two rookies that they drafted this year. And they went out and drafted at least hypothetically, we'll see how well these two turn out, but two defensive oriented wings to kind of, you know, as much as they can insulate Shengun defensively as well. And so on both sides of the ball, their offseason has really pointed towards him being a very important part of their core moving forward. Yeah. And also kind of to point into what you said about the assists jumping up. I mean, playing next to Jabari Smith is going to help everybody. I mean, you get a kick out on a double team, which Shingun's going to face tons of, and he's a really good passer. They're going to feed off of each other a lot. So I like that pick a lot. I actually didn't have him in my list, and now I feel silly for not not <laughs> putting him there. I mean, you listed out pretty good reasons. Even just talking through it, I'm like, yeah, he's definitely one. My first one that came to my mind, especially after the DeJounte Murray trade, and that completely gives it away, is Josh Primo. He was a guy who was never a year one guy they – pretty much stashed him in the G league or they tried to, but actually he was really good as a rookie and he almost outplayed my expectations at least. And uh, you know, it wasn't anything crazy, but he was putting up some good defensive stats. He was getting blocks as needed. It wasn't anything crazy. He fought like six points a game, two rebounds, two assists on 37%. So not like, you know, in the context wasn't very meaningful. He was generally playing low pressure minutes. How will he play after a season of NBA kind of polish around his game at such a young age and he's still 19 at the moment maybe brand new 20 something like that and what will he look like because the spurs are probably going to tank they're probably front runners now without Dejounte murray they got no players really back for him just straight picks josh primo should absolutely benefit and because of that i could easily see his numbers entirely doubling granted it's not hard six to twelve is an easier jump than 12 to 24 or something but i really like what he's got on both ends of the floor yeah, so again, starting with the opportunity, that's going to be there for somebody to take that usage, somebody to take the minutes and the shots. Uh, I've talked about, I think Devin Vassell is going to make a, a jump next year. Obviously, he's not a candidate. We're looking at uh, guys going into their second year, but watch for Vassell to make a leap, in my opinion. But somebody's got to take the guard minutes too, like Trey Jones might be starting. Maybe Primo does. He's certainly a guy that they value are invested in 
seeing as they took him as high as they did, the fan base sure loves him. And, you know, he, he was a project. He wasn't even really expected to play last year, but now he's going to get as many reps as really he can take. And so I think that's going to be beneficial for his long-term projection to get those on-ball reps in a low-stress environment where, like you said, they probably project to be one of the three worst teams next year. But over the long haul, I think that's going to be good for him, and I think he's going to end up putting up some numbers next year. Yeah, he's he's a fun player. I mean, you look at some of the raw players of the last year's draft that have good chance of hitting their upside. I think he's one of the front runners. We'll continue with some of these uh, names, but first, let me tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can probably even find right now, I don't know if the odds have come up yet, but most improved player odds, we're kind of previewing that in an indirect way, even though second-year guys are rare. Generally, there is somebody always in the mix just because second-year guys naturally progress. But you can also find reviews and news of every league, MLB, uh, NFL is about to start back up their preseason, esports, golf, you name it, they've got it. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts like us. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your phone to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So again, my name is Richard Stamen. I'm joined by Draft Dummies Sam Ferris. Uh, to talk about some second-year players that we see as big breakouts. We each gave one uh, a minute ago. I said Josh Primo. You said Alperin Shingun. Who do you have as your number two that you want to talk about? So this one seems like a pretty obvious one to me. Did you have Jalen Suggs on your list? I I did, but I also thought I was like, I'm going to try and dig a little harder. So technically, (laughs) no, but like, if I was, you know, in just middle of the conversation, I absolutely would have put it. But I tried being different in a yeah. way and not including him as top five pick. Yeah. So the thing with him is that the jumper just did not go in for him at all last year, whereas the defense was as advertised. I talked about comparing him pre-draft to a guy like Drew Holiday. And defensively, that's what he showed as a rookie. Like, he could be an all-defensive guy down the road. But the offense needs to be better, and frankly, he got to the rim, the athleticism all looked there, the physical tools. It's just the jumper didn't go in. I think, like, of anyone that took a certain volume of jumpers, he was basically the least efficient in the NBA last year among guards. But I do want to at least ascribe some of that to all the injuries that he went through last year, where he just couldn't get consistent run over a period of time, and, you know, There were times where he'd come back and he would look really good and then he would just pick up another injury. So I I do have to at least ascribe some of it to that. And I was very, very high on Jalen Suggs coming in. And so you have to be a little bit worried about how he played as a rookie, not living up to expectations offensively. But at the same time, I'm not selling off much stock on him yet. Like if he shoots, if some of that percentage on jumpers bounces back to normal, then I think we're looking at one of the bigger sophomore jumps. And I think Orlando's like a going to be a low key playing team next year. And they've got really good pieces around him with Paolo there with Franz. He's not going to be the primary. He can be that slasher off of those guys and then really highlight his defense as well. And so like, to me, he's actually 
kind of a swing player next year because if that offense does hit to you know my expectations then i i do think orlando as young as they are i, I think they're a low-key playing team next year hey i like it you will not hear any qualms coming from me about that <laughs> i think they're probably destined for like that sacramento luck where like they yeah. are potentially like trying but they're you know they're sat they're different than sacramento but they are a little bit satisfied of not making it in a yeah. way uh, but i do think they're going to be a lot better than people realize i think cole anthony's gonna be a winning player but that's a whole different thing Jalen Suggs, I, I agree. I mean, you said it really well. It's, it's a simple thing. He took good shots. He just didn't make them. Who knows what it means? Maybe it is real that he just cannot shoot. I mean, there were stuff about the Raptors workout where it was that where it was so bad. They brought him in a second day. They were like, all right, try again. It was terrible yeah. the first time, and he did it again. So who knows? Uh, but like you said, the defense has been great. I mean, I think he could be a Marcus Smart is a realistic outcome. I mean, Marcus Smart's not a world beater of a shooter, but if you leave him open, he'll make it. And he's a probably around average, I would guess, this year. I don't know the exact number on that. But just to put some context, I mean, you said it. The injuries really did hurt him. Uh, but when he came back from the, the first injury, I think it was a thumb injury, back in January, he played about two straight months of every single game. Luckily, the All-Star break kind of helped him, so the game volume was only 22. But he upped his – I mean, his points per game was 13, just about like a hair under on 39% shooting, 5.3 assists, four rebounds a game, one and a half steals. So, I mean, like, there are flashes to believe in. Uh, but to ultimately answer your question earlier of did I have him in my list, no. This was who I was going to go with next is Moses Moody. I mean, I think yeah. I was shocked he didn't play even more last year with Golden State just because of how translatable his game was at such a young age and such great physical tools. I think he's just going to be a great three and D off the bench for Golden State. I, I mean, we saw that first summer league game. He dropped what thirty four. I don't yeah. know if it actually means anything, but you know, you see those second year guys be too good for summer league in a way. I think it kind of means something. So, yeah. I liked what I saw, and I ultimately am buying him to him being in the rotation at the very least. Yep. So I had him as my kind of fourth guy slash honorable mention. And so, yeah, I, I'm there with you. I had him sixth in his class pre-draft. And to your point, 34 points. He ended up being the leading scorer in points per game in Summer League. And also going back to last year in the G League, every time he'd go down there, he'd score 30. I swear he averaged close to 30 in the G League. So this isn't a one-time thing. Like a lot of people see him as like a 3 and D guy. And that's what his role will be next year. But there is more scoring tools and upside with him that I like long term. But he also has that capability of fitting into a winning team, being a good shooter. He's a very good team defender using his length. He's actually better off ball than he is on ball because my main worry with him is just the foot speed to guard on the ball. But using his length, using his instincts, very good in a team setting and you know, they lost, the Warriors lost guys like Otto Porter and Gary Payton. They, so that opportunity will be there. Now, I don't think he's going to play as many minutes as guys like Suggs and Shengun. So he is going to have to play well early on in the minutes he gets to continue to get those minutes because the Warriors will be competing for a title like they did last year. But to start the season, he's going to be in the rotation. He's going to be getting, you know, depending on the game, 10 to 20 minutes and then he'll play more or less depending on how he plays in those minutes. Yeah, I I just, I mean, like you said, it, it's the auto porter addition, or excuse me, the auto porter departure 
is really what does it for me. I mean, that's easily his spot. It's his spot to lose. What's going to be interesting is a little bit side tangent, but like what happens with Kaminga too, because both of them are competing for similar-ish spots yeah. because they both generally play the small forward, give or take one up, one down. Moses Moody, uh, excuse my Kendrick Perkins there for a second. <laughs> uh, can, <laughs> he can play a little bit more shooting guard and Kaminga can play a little bit more true power forward. So interested to see that dynamic. Uh, I don't know if Kaminga was one of your guys, but who who is your last guy you have? So the last guy I have... I'm not as confident in him. I kind of wanted to get your opinion because I think it's interesting, the opportunity side for him because I buy the talent. It's Trey Mann in Oklahoma City. Now, I've, I really liked him in the draft. I had him as a late lottery guy. And then at the end of last year, well, he didn't play the last 15 games because OKC pulled the plug on everybody. But over the last, like, 15 20 games he played he averaged like 17 points four rebounds on good efficiency he's an elite space creator and he's also a really good shooter so wrote down some numbers because what i love about him is the ability to play on ball because he loves getting to that pull up that step back but also he's just a really good spot up shooter so last year as a rookie on straight catch and shoot threes 83 and a half percent that's really good for a rookie. But then also when you look at threes he took after taking between two and six dribbles, so pull-up threes, also the same number, 38.5%. So that ability to scale on and off the ball offensively is what I really like about him. It's it's just rare you find guys like that. So I wrote down the same numbers for uh, like Cam Thomas, only shot 28% on catch and shoot, 21% on pull-up threes. Bones Highland was at 36% and 34%. And then last one I wrote down was quickly last year, 33% catch and shoot and only 28% off the dribble. So like Trey Mann shooting 38.5% both on pull up and catch and shoot threes is really, really good. The reason that's important is because OKC already has a lot of on ball projectable young players uh, in Josh Giddy primarily, but SGA too. And then they drafted Jalen Williams, who can play on the ball a bit. And so my worry to an extent is, like, is he going to play second, third, even fourth fiddle with all the young talent they have that can play on the ball? Like, do you think there's going to be enough opportunity in minutes for maybe that jump to happen that, that I'm seeing? That's exactly the the obstacle I think he has to overcome, too. When you said it, I was like, talent-wise, he's absolutely going to make the jump. Like, he's going to get better what is the roster and the usage like somebody will get injured it's just kind of the nature of the yeah. game unfortunately uh, that's his best way but i i do agree i think on a per minute basis you will see his numbers go up um i don't know what to make of him though because like where what do you do because has he i don't think he played that many games with an entirely healthy oklahoma city team and then Let's not forget Oklahoma City had a couple picks this year as well. I mean, Chet Holmgren does factor into this one way or another because it affects everybody down the line. I don't know what to make of him. I, I would say on a per minute basis, you are absolutely correct. And I don't see any, I don't have any qualms with that at all. But on like a per game totals number, I don't know if it actually does take off personally. It did, it's not a skill thing at all. The only thing he has going against him is just not minutes yeah I, I pulled up his game log 
Um, so over the first like 20 games or so, he was still in the rotation. You're still playing 15 minutes per game. So that's not terrible to start his career. But then after that, it started to pick up and then he was playing, you know, 20 to 25. And then when guys got injured, he was playing, you know, starters minutes up to 30 per game. So we'll see. I think he'll start in probably the 15 to 20 minute range. And then, like you said, there guys are going to get hurt. They're going to probably pull the plug on some guys as well, rotate guys in and out. I think this will probably be the last year they're kind of majorly in that tanking conversation. So I think whether it's early on or over, over the course of the season, he should get enough minutes, but it is a little bit of like a hurdle or a little bit of a kind of holdback for me on that one. Yeah, no, I like that pick. That was a really bold one. I think even just like I'm second guessing myself, I'm sticking with who my third guy is, but even just looking back at the draft, I mean, I was way too high on James Booknight and he's not even on this for me. I think the injury again kind of hurt him. He didn't get to play in summer league, really playing behind the curve, which is unfortunate. I think there's a couple second rounders that'll take a jump. Isaiah Livers uh, only played 19 games last year and with Cade and Jaden Ivey, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. JT Thor, Miles McBride, I mean, there's a lot of talent in this draft. I mean, I can go down. I was almost going to say Isaiah Jackson. He was the last one. But I'll dive into who I think was actually the final pick for me, and that is Davion Mitchell. Um, I was low on him on draft night. I liked the fit with Sacramento, though. Didn't see nearly enough from him in year one. Uh, only shot 42% from the field on barely 11.5 points a game. But – and I know this doesn't actually mean a ton because of the competition and just the time of the year, it's kind of a grain of salt, but there's too much. I think it was too impressive to ignore. And that was his final 15 games, which was the final month of the season. He had one game out of, so 13 games, I'll, I'll frame it better, 13 games of double digit scoring, only one in there he did not. And in that span, he averaged 18 points a game, eight assists on 46% shooting, 34.5% from three, 78% from the line. So you can kind of see that might have been a flash, and I would buy enough into it being a flash that maybe he takes a jump as the starting guard next to De'Aaron Fox next year. And with Keegan Murray, maybe they can feed off of each other in a way to make him more efficient. Maybe it'll help him having two offensive-minded forwards now in Sabonis and Keegan Murray. I think they'll feed off each other really on both ends, but... Uh, ultimately, I like the Sacramento backcourt a lot, and I think he's in a prove-it year because of what just happened with Tyrese Halliburton getting traded. Yeah, so to throw it back to you, question there, like how do you see the Kings guard rotation slash depth chart playing out? They did add, obviously, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter. You said he might start. Do you think he does start? I I, I see him more coming off the bench, but I'm not sure exactly if they've, you know, 100% decided on who's going to start next to Fox in the backcourt. So, like, how many minutes do you think Davion Mitchell will play, and where does he fit into that depth chart in the backcourt? Yeah, I I want to say he'll start. I mean, just kind of looking at the roster, I, I think he will. I think, you know, the um, you just said the Herder acquisition kind of replaces DiVincenzo leaving. I know he played 28 minutes a game. Um and he played almost every game of the year. So, I mean, he played starter minutes at the least. Malik Monk will be competition for him. I think that's who it comes down to. They might have that Kentucky bloodline, but at the same time, I mean, did, I don't think Malik Monk started a ton of games. Uh, actually, no, he started half his games last year. Um, 
So it's entirely possible. My thing is, is you just traded away Tyrese Halliburton because you trusted what you had in Fox and Mitchell over what you have in Halliburton. That's kind of what was said without being said. You almost have this pressure to start him because if you're like, hey, we chose Davion Mitchell over Tyrese Halliburton, which in a way they did, uh, which is mind boggling, but they they kind of have to start him, right? Like it would be, a, I mean, I guess it is no offense to any Kings fans. It is the Kings. Like, and it, it goes without saying, like that is a very valid reason at times. They could not start him, but I think, I mean, you have to play him the same. I mean, I would say 28 minutes a game. It's almost, does he start? Does he close? I'm, I'm on the fence. What about you? No, that's, it's a good point. Like they moved on from Halliburton because they were sold on Fox and Mitchell and they wanted to get Sabonis. So, you know, whether he starts or comes off the bench, like you said, he's going to at least be playing 25 minutes per game. They didn't draft him top 10 not to get minutes in his second year. And especially with the way that he finished off the end of the his rookie season. Now that's always a debate is like, how much do you buy? How much stock do you put into the last 10, 15 games of the regular season? Some teams are tanking. Some teams are already out of the playoff mix. Some guys, teams are resting guys. How much stock do you put into that? But at least it was certainly good to see him finish the year strong. And so he wasn't a guy that made my list. There was only three guys plus an honorable mention. So didn't have room for everybody. But I, I certainly do see the case. and they do need his defense in that lineup because otherwise it, it it's kind of i i really like them offensively with sabonis barnes murray fox but they do need some of that infusion of defense and so i, I hope he does bring that next year and he should yeah i'm curious by the way who were some of the other names on your honorable honorable mentions because like i said there were so many choices where i was like this guy could be it this guy could be it so who were some of yours my other honorable mention is Quentin Grimes, who just had an awesome summer league. You know, part of the thinking there for me it when I made this list was that he might end up in Utah. And if that's the case, then then you see that opportunity really go up that he, he would probably start because there's been rumors that they're pushing to get him in a deal that could happen. <laughs> so that would solve the opportunity. If he stays in with the Knicks, then he's probably going to be closer. He, he'll probably start, but will probably be capped around 20 minutes per game because they've got other guys that, that need minutes in the backcourt. But if he goes to Utah, then I could see him playing starters minutes. I could see them prioritizing him. We already know he's a very good shooter and he's a very good defender. So I kind of call him like a 3 and D plus because... The handle and a little bit of the passing looked better than I even expected in Summer League. Now, it's just Summer League, but in my opinion, he was one of the two or three best players there, and that was really, really good to see. I, I already bought into him, and now I, I see a little bit more upside there to go along with the 3 and D skill set that's already very valuable. And so if he's a guy that can find his way into opportunity, whether that's in New York or in Utah, a if a deal's made, I could see him being a guy that kind of jumps up that more people are paying attention to next season. Yeah, it was hard to leave him out of this. Uh, but I mean, those three guys I listed, I loved. I'm also amazed we didn't have any overlap. I really thought, <laughs> I thought there was going to be someone on there. Like the Shen Goon one was good. The Trey Mann one, that one, that one is good. I like that one a lot. But 
Sam, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to do this. It's always fun. This is like it's always fun when we're on episodes together. It's fun to do just us two on this yeah. one. So uh, again, I'm gonna flash it on here. You can find Sam at uh, I almost said your name. I'm so used to recording the belief at Draft Dummies. Just flash right here in the bottom left. Go ahead and give him a follow. You will not regret it. He's one of the very best on Draft Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.